You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. So we're going to talk about uh, different types of prayer and focusing on different types of prayer, and um, we're calling it jubilant, fervent prayer. Uh, the scripture, uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, says, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. Um, the idea behind that is healing is more than one aspect. Healing is physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. Uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or that causes a jubilee. There is something exciting about when you pray and something happens. Yeah, it's exciting. It's encouraging. It's your connection with God. And uh, we have to understand that we're not wrestling, obviously, each other. We're wrestling things of the world. We're wrestling things of the enemy. We're praying against uh, what the enemy is trying to do within our world, our family, our own lives, our health, our finance, whatever the case might be. Uh, that's why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, and verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we're, we are in a spiritual battle, and prayer and fasting is part of winning that battle. And obviously, we're going to focus uh, tonight on, on, a different, on a particular type of prayer, but if you go back to uh, Old Testament Leviticus and what Jubilee meant. Obviously, um, it, was, it was what happened every 50 years, seven sevens, which made up 49, seven years of the same aspects. And then on the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. And in that year of Jubilee, um, there was the return to every man of his possessions. And debts were were let go. Slaves were let go free. And, and so uh, every man was to be able to return to his family. That was uh, a, a powerful year uh, in the Old Testament. What's, um, what's interesting about that, obviously that happened every 50 years. When you step into the New Testament realm and you see what happened on the day of Pentecost, which means 50, uh, every year, in a spiritual sense, in the New Testament, is a year of jubilee. There is no waiting for people to be set free, for things to be uh, returned to the way uh, God desires them to be. Uh, we have a special reason uh, to be able to celebrate jubilee fervent prayer. And it doesn't have to wait for a certain period of time, a certain year, a certain instance, I believe without a doubt that prayer and fasting can move what God desires to already happen. And we're going to talk about that 
in a little bit. Isaiah says to cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression. Uh, uh, Seek me daily, he says. Delight to know my ways. Uh, Take delight, he says, in approaching God. Behold, uh, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Um, Isaiah goes on in the same chapter, 58, and, and says, Wilt thou call this a fast? He's, he's saying, listen, there's, there's some bands of wickedness that need to be loosed uh, and, and heavy burdens that need to be let go, freed. See, what we have to understand when we're involving ourselves in prayer and fasting, we're not trying to move heaven. What's already loosed is already loosed in heaven. What's bound is already bound in heaven. What prayer and fasting does is it allows to happen here what's already there. You don't have to loose things in heaven. They're already loosed. And you don't have to bind things in heaven. So what prayer and fasting does is it allows to happen here what God has already happened or has happened there. And so something takes place when you and I engage in prayer. Um, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful part of serving God. We cannot be victorious. We cannot be overcomers without prayer and fasting. Prayer is your connection, your direct line to the throne. It's your relationship with God. It's your communicating with him, his desire to communicate with you on a daily basis. Prayer is an absolute must. And people get caught up in, in um, sometimes trying to have perfect prayer and trying to say the right things. And listen, it's, God knows exactly the very intent of your heart. He knows exactly your thoughts. He knows how you think. He knows uh, uh, what, what is a concern of yours. He's way ahead of us in understanding us. And, and uh, so when you're connecting with him in prayer, it may not come out with the fancy of words, and it may not come out with perfect English, and it may not come out uh, with, with everything uh, the way you'd like it to be. He knows exactly how you feel. And what's important is your connection with him in prayer fervent prayer. If you want to pray in perfect prayer, then you should pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, the enemy has no idea what you are praying. And uh, so there's, there's some understanding. So tonight we're going to talk about uh, one of those types of prayer, which is uh, extremely important and should be part of our daily prayer life. On a regular basis, and it's and it's called occupying prayer, occupying prayer. Uh, Luke chapter nineteen, verse twelve. He said, "Therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom, and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds, and said unto them, Occupy till I come." The idea behind that is not just to fill time. There is something powerful in that statement. 
of Occupy Till I Come. Uh, it's nearly 19 years now that it's passed since President George Bush, W. Bush, made his his historic speech from the imposing flight deck of the USS Abraham Lincoln on May the 1st, 2003. And he was declaring an end to major combat operations in Iraq. But as he stated that day, the coalition forces uh, engaged in securing and reconstructing that country still, he said, have dangerous work to complete. His words echoed with almost prophetic authority. The war on terror is not over, yet it is not endless. Uh, those, those words, uh, I don't even know if he knew how powerful those words were that he spoke. We do not know the day of final victory, but we have seen the turning of the tide. Those were, those were words that were associated with 9-11. Um, and um, regardless tonight of one's political stripe, that's not what I'm here to talk about, there is a near universal consensus on the fact that military victory over a hostile and entrenched foe is but the first phase of warfare. That's just the beginning, what some would consider as victory. Unwavering determination and untiring effort are required to persevere to a precarious peace and to defend the fledging freedom against those whose ideology uh, attempts dictatorship uh, instead of democracy and who will not stop at anything in their attempts uh, to sabotage the, the process and to reverse progress. Victory may be declared, but occupying is something that goes on for a long time just as it was in that day. It's really no different in our spiritual walk in the sense of we feel like we have become at some point victorious over what we used to be under the enemy's devices. And we feel like maybe we reach a state where we have become victorious. But that is only the beginning of winning. There is an occupying. It's not enough for me to give my heart to the Lord at an event and to say, now I'm saved. I'm just going to coast into eternity. Or I'm just going to um, see if I can survive. No, no, no. There's, there's an occupying that God has for me that is beyond me just winning the initial battle. See, Jesus' parable in Luke 19 teaches us that the servants of God must also occupy hostile territory until he returns. The word does not mean just to, to, to abide one's time or I'm, I'm just going to try to make it. Rather, it means to busy oneself with trade. The idea behind what 
the Lord was saying, occupy, it's not just about getting in the church and surviving. No, it's about being in the church and thriving. I'm not interested in just being saved. I want what God has done in my life to be an instrument to, to help others know who he is. I don't want to just fill space. I want to occupy until he comes. The idea behind that word is to be caught up with a busyness of trade. Simply put, we are to do more than just fill a place in God's kingdom. We are to constantly carry out spiritual business on behalf of the king. <laughs> to be about the Father's business. Even the Lord's own words to his mother and father was, don't you know, it's not enough for me to be born as the Savior of the world. I got to be about my father's business. First Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Paul here, he agrees with the Puritan preacher, John Bunyan, who once said, we can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we cannot do more than pray until we have prayed. There's something that happens in you as a person of occupying when prayer is involved. What happens in your life and my life when prayer is involved fervently uh, it, it's not just about me attending church. Anyone can come to church. I want to come to church to be engaged. It's more than just going to work and calling myself a Christian. No, I want to be an influencer. It's, it's more than just um, uh, reaching a certain length of time of serving God. No, I want my life to have purpose. That's about the occupying until he comes. So one of the most powerful words in the New Testament you see in this verse is supplication. But we strip it of much of its authority when we define it only according to what the English dictionary has it as. And, it, and it, the English dictionary has it as or confines it to the word begging. <laughs> That's never what God intended the word supplication, to be. The scriptural root word carries the sense of binding. And there's a big difference between begging and binding. There's a mentality shift of occupying when we move from begging God to binding what God has already bound. Ah, okay, hold on. Supplication involves making our requests known to God. More than that, it extends the concept to a greater dimension and much farther. To supplicate is to ask with passion, persistence, and focus. And so all of a sudden, my praying takes a different tone. God, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. No, no, God's already given you authority. 
He's put his spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost within you. That whatsoever is already bound in heaven can be bound on earth by your occupying prayer. We don't need to give the enemy even an inch when it comes to occupying in prayer. You have the authority through passion, persistence, and focus. See, supplication is the prayer of occupation. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. See, apostolic believers uh, are equipped to do more than to entreat. We are equipped to, to enforce. It's more than to beg or ask. You are empowered to enforce what God has already done. You don't have to worry about overcoming the enemy. He's already defeated the enemy. You don't have to worry about that. You can take authority in the name of Jesus because at the name of Jesus, every knee's got to bow and every tongue's got to confess. There is no devil in hell that can stand up to the name of Jesus. You can find it in Scripture. Jesus comes to the man that's demon-possessed. He doesn't even say a word. The man that's demon-possessed comes running falls down and worships him. The enemy has no power. The Lord hasn't even said anything yet. It's the enemy that's begging. If you're going to cast us out, would you at least let us go into the, the, the swine? It's the enemy that's begging, not not God, not God's people. No, no, no. You're not here just to entreat. You're here to enforce. There's more than just filling a space with occupying. When you pray in the power of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, there is an enforcement that comes. There is a binding that takes place. Matthew 16 and 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus' promise was that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. That's, that's connected to the actions of the church that are mentioned in the very next verse. See, we... We can quote that verse, and it sounds powerful in itself, but that's not just any verse by itself. Look what the next verse says. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. There's an authority that comes uh, to the person who says, uh, I'm going to pray uh, with an occupying. I'm not going to just try to fill up space or time. No, no, there's an authority that comes to you and I. You can pray with an enforcement, a binding, a loosing. That's what is included in the word supplication. See, ancient custom was that the gates of a city functioned as the place of public discourse and official decree. 
And Jesus is teaching that the church has been empowered by his victory on the cross to pray in ways that stop the strategies of hell right in its tracks against the church. It doesn't even have to enter the city. Oh, hear me tonight. You don't have to wait till it gets in your house to cast it out. You can stop it before it comes to the door. You don't have to wait until it dominates your life to say, God, I need help. No, no, you can stop it before it ever uh, comes into your life. Uh, you don't have to wait until the church uh, is, is, is in need uh, of a deliverance. No, no, no. On the way in, hallelujah, the authority has already been given to you who are Holy Ghost filled to walk into the house of God with an enforcement mentality. I'm not interested in begging God. He never intended it to be that way. You're his child. There's something that you have with a connection with him when he put his spirit with inside of you. See, supplication moves into the confusion caused by the fall of man. Broken hearts, broken homes, broken health, broken relationships. And it begins to bind up broken things, bringing them back to God's original design. And when supplication is made and prayer is done with an occupying mentality, it takes things that have fallen apart. And you will revive. And you will lift up. That's an enforcement mentality. It's not, um, it's not a cockiness or conceit. No, it's understanding who you are in God. To bind up broken things, bringing them back into the original design. It is the business of believers to intervene in any situations that are not what heaven intended them to be. And what heaven, what heaven has intended, if that's not the way it is, then passionate, fervent, persistent, occupying prayer changes the dynamics of what's happening in the situation where heaven binding and loosing takes place and it accomplishes on earth what is already willed in heaven. We don't make things happen, but our supplication does release them to happen. You can't make something happen. God's in control of that. But when you when you are giving supplication to him, you are releasing what he has already loosed and bound in heaven to happen on earth. <laughs> it is God's power and his timing coupled with your participation and tenacity in more than just, a, uh, well, you know what, I'm going to pray and if it happens, it happens. No, no, occupying is not that. Occupying is being busy oneself with trade, involvement in progress of the kingdom. And so when you and I take on occupying prayer, it's, it's not, well, if it happens, it'll happen. No, no, this binding is not limited to our concept of something being tied up. It, it, could, it could be even more accurately understood by our, con, our, our concept of a binding contract 
if you signed a contract for a house to be built a certain way, you have the ability to use that contract for the house to be built that way. That's why you sign a contract. If the yard's supposed to be paved in the price and it's not, then you can use the contract to say the yard's supposed to be paved. That's the whole idea behind a binding contract. Well, what happens with you and I, it's not just, well, I, I want, if it happens, it happens. Uh, if it doesn't happen, it must not be God's will. No, no, those are all, those are all ways to get out of what God wants to do. Hear me tonight. When it comes to prayer, pray with faith that God's will that is already in heaven will be released here on earth uh, and accomplish what he already wants to have happen. Something takes place when you're occupying. It's not just, well, whatever, whatever suits the fancy. You know, it's possible... It's possible to have a contract and not care whether it's kept or not. If the contractor who's building the house knows in the contract that your yard's to be paved, and afterwards you say, you know what? You've been working on this long enough. Who cares? No, don't bother with the yard. Does he have to? No, he's not going to. However many thousand that may save him. If you just say, oh, don't worry about it. It didn't, didn't matter if it was in there anyway. I don't know. That's, that's, it's not time for you and I as a Christian to back away from the authority that God has placed in you as a child of God. When he says, greater is he that is within you than he that is within the world, you don't have to take a back seat to what the world is doing. Step forward with your contract and say, I'm going to intercede on behalf of what God wants to already happen. I'm allowing something to be enforced, not begged for. Huh. Mentality shift. See, in the world, Satan is always attempting to construct things that are totally out of line with God's blueprint. Situations that contradict God's word, contravene God's plan. He has a blatant disregard and a callous attempt for the Bible. The contract that he has is against every saint. Every saint. Not one in here will get off uh, freely with the enemy. No one. But God has appointed us. On the other hand, to be workers on this earth. And we are to occupy until the owner returns. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. A powerful weapon that you have like supplication is not intended to be wasted on pettiness, self-centeredness, and some temporal concerns. And Paul elaborates on that 
He gives us divine directive to pray for issues that are grand and broader than our own immediate plans or personal preoccupations. That's why he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Our occupying is more than just about me. Move upon people's lives. What happens when you start to pray, occupying prayers. No begging, no entreating, but rather binding, loosing, and enforcing. See, we have, we've been equipped to pray for critical, kingdom-minded, eternal issues. We are promised influence that can affect the climate of our culture and create an atmosphere where people can readily come, he says, to the knowledge of the truth. It creates an atmosphere for church, for work, for school, for your community, where you buy groceries. It shouldn't be that you walk into any situation and occupying prayer already have happened in your life, you can be assured that something is going to transform when you walk into the room because you're not coming down with your, with your head held down and, 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 oh, poor me, and I don't know if I'm going to make it or make it. No, no, no. There's an authority that comes. There's an authority that arises. It's not about you. It's about the occupying prayer that's in you that God walks into the situation. There's an authority. You don't have to take a back seat in the spirit realm to anything that's happening in this world because there's a kingdom-mindedness and an eternal issues, a promised influence that you have because of occupying prayer. Uh, another scriptural term defining this kind of prayer is intercession, which is both uh, the ancient Greek and Hebrew languages that carries the same basic meaning, to come between by chance. Uh, this peculiar expression is used of Jacob in Genesis 29, verse 11, when he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there, the Bible says, all night. Only after he had awakened from his glorious dream did he realize that apparently this was not just a random place. This was not just uh, a place where he spent the night. No, no, no. This is going to be a cornerstone for the rest of his entire life. Surely the Lord was in this place. Something happened in that moment. There was an essence of intercession. The circumstances that had surrounded him that night were not just some random things. No, no, they were, there was something providential about that night that his, his future was going to be changed forever. 
had a conversation today. And um, in that conversation, it came up about the Davis sisters. And uh, I was never blessed to meet them in person. The person I was talking to today was, and uh, it was kind of comical what was stated. The person said, you know what? They come right after you. You didn't stand a chance. They come chasing you. They were there to lay hands on you. There, there was like anyone who was quiet or backward, it was very intimidating, they said. These were two ladies that had an incredible connection with God. What was it? They were just bold, arrogant people? No. No way. No, no, there was something that they knew that there was an authority that it didn't matter who it was or what the need was or how long it was going to take for prayer to happen, it was going to be done. One of my favorite stories is Sister Watson telling me the first time she ever walked into one of their services. She just wanted to get her name on the prayer list. That's it. Just on the prayer list. And Sister Watson told me the story. They hauled out the chair. You sit in the chair. And they didn't let her up until God had healed her. She was full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> i tell you what, there's a type of occupying in prayer that this is not, well, you know, let's just, let's just kind of make everyone feel good. Let's just... Go through the routine or the motions here. We prayed. No, no, no. There was something enforceful. There was something that happened that was interceding. And there was supplication that was made that was binding and loosing. Something was taking place. It wasn't, it wasn't just built on two people. No, no. They had a connection with God. I'm old enough, but I'm not very old. I'm old enough to know the prayer and the, the chair in the center. I've sat in the chair in the center. You can't get out of the chair in the center until everyone's done praying. Have you ever had a chair in the center and sat in it? You're stuck there until everyone feels like God has accomplished what God wanted to do. An occupying, an enforcement. Listen, we're, can I just be straightforward with you? We can't play church. We can't patty cake for Jesus and things happen. We are not wrestling flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And there needs to be an enforcement that comes from not just filling space and time, but an occupying of what God desires through prayer, what he already sees happening. <laughs> the very essence of something not being accidental 
but there being a divine providence of God that it will take place. See, if we can just perceive that our day-to-day circumstances are ordained by the Holy Ghost, we'll learn to respond with an authoritative praying, confident in what God desires to do. Like Ezekiel speaks of standing in the gap at the very moment of what is needed for the situation. Listen, not every believer is called to be an intercessor, but every believer is called to intercede. When God prompts something within our spirit that says, this is not okay. This is not going to be the way it is. We're going to go with a mentality of enforcement. We are representatives for heaven. And God is desiring you and I to work as enforcements for his will to be done. Yeah, intercession occurs when believers realize that God has ordained boundaries of blessing around his people. And unless someone prays, Satan will always try to violate those boundaries. You were not saved merely to be a bystander in this conflict, but rather you are anointed and appointed to monitor the situation that heaven declares and then to step in to occupy I'm not against people calling for prayer we 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 bind together and we pray together but don't let calling for prayer be an excuse not to get a hold of God in prayer Let someone join with you and not only for you. Let it be that you step to the forefront of your situation and say, this is not the way that it's going to be. And I'm going to stand in the gap on behalf of. I'm going to occupy until the will of God is enacted. Hmm careful not to excuse every situation by a few situations that everything has to follow the same guidelines the enemy is trying to cross the boundary lines and you and I stand in opposition as anointed and appointed by God apostolic Christianity is not a spectator sport It's a fight to the finish. See, first of all, we need prayer warriors with sufficient spiritual sensitivity to understand that God has put you and I on location to travail in prayer for the world that otherwise would experience only sin's consequences without the hope of a divine intervention. You and I are quite literally the occupying forces for the kingdom of God on this earth. Listen, when the spirit of God is lifted, you can't even imagine what this earth is going to be like. 
You don't want to be here, I can tell you that. The only thing that keeps it even in somewhat of balance is the power of the Holy Ghost that is within you. You and I, along with millions of others, are occupying forces of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Some 2,000 years ago, since our Lord was on the mountain near Jerusalem, and there was a declaration that was made to a, the end of a major combat operation in hell, thinking they had defeated the Almighty God. But as he stated that day, the prayer warriors engaged in saving and reconciling fallen humanity. And something happened that when the Lord said, it is finished, can't imagine. The earth shook and graves were opened. People who had already died come back to life. Can you imagine how powerful that was? And the veil was rent from top to bottom. And the keys to death, hell, and the grave were taken. And something happened that day because Jesus had overcome the world. And because he overcome the world, you and I get to overcome the world. You get to overcome it by the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. And authority was given to you and I. And that's why Matthew wrote it. All power in heaven and earth. All power. Not just a little bit. Not just a fraction. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even till it gets going tough, even until you can't do it anymore, no, none of those. Even until you want to pack it in, no. Even until the end of the world. What he said to his disciples that day, there is no power outside of me, and I'm giving it to you. There's an occupying that you and I can do uh, through the power that Jesus has put in you in prayer. Don't underestimate your prayer. Don't rely just on, on, on a few people's prayers. Uh, listen, if the Holy Ghost within you, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelleth in you, he shall quicken your mortal bodies. Huh? I know it's Bible study night. The day of Pentecost happened because of supplication. Look what the scripture says. Verse 14 of Acts 1. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost happened because there was an enforcement taken on the day of Pentecost. 
They didn't walk out. And Peter didn't say, you know what? You can have it if you wanted. You know, it's, it's nice. It, it, it's a good feeling. No, no, he walked out and said, you crucified the Lord. You need to be saved. And here's how to do it. And something happened in their heart. They were pricked in their heart and said to Peter, what do we got to do, Peter? And he made it very clear. And then the powerful verse that it wasn't just for a few, not just for 3,000, not just for who lived in the book of Acts, but it's for you and your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. In 2022, we're still occupying. We're not filling space and time. No, no, no. There's a mighty army walking through this city. And you and I got to join forces with this mighty army of God. Because what he has bound in heaven will be bound on earth. And what he has loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. Because of your supplication and your intercession in occupying prayer. If anything could ever grip Mission Point in 2022, it would be for you and I to realize how powerful you are in Jesus Christ and act it. See, as soon as we talk that way, stay in this all quit. Well, you know, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. We want everyone to like us. We want to be gentle. We're not dealing with a gentle enemy, and he doesn't like you. He doesn't like you at all. And he wants to do everything he can to destroy you and your family and everything about you in 2022. But I'll tell you what he can't stand, and he cannot come up against, and he cannot prevail against, is an occupying praying church that says, I'm not worried about the enemy. I've got God on my side. And when he is standing with you, then who can stand against you? No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, he will raise up a standard against him. Something powerful happens when the church of what makes you different, what changes your society, what is so different about you is the power of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost inside of you. Not enough to be a good person. Lots of good people in the world. It's not, good, not enough to have good morals. There's people with good morals. Being kind and generous. There's people that are kind and generous. It's not enough. What will change your world is you occupying in prayer. Supplication and intercession 
until the master returns. Mm. Take your 30 days of prayer and fasting. Finish out your week. If you haven't got one of those pages, get one. Finish out your week with the mentality of occupying prayer. Understanding how powerful you are in God. Listen, you can, you can go to the New Testament and you can read about the story of Elijah. Sent out his servant. It hasn't rained for three and a half years. Why don't you go out and have a look? He sent him seven times. You know what the Bible says in the New Testament? He prayed again. Simple statement. He prayed again. No, no, it's not okay. He prayed again. No, no, I'm not learning to live with. He prayed again. No, it's time for it to rain. He prayed again. Something, something rising in the spirit realm within your life as a Christian that you say, no, no, no. He prayed again. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.